BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Hi everyone, welcome to With Wit. My guest today is Ryan Mannion, a truly inspiring woman who is helping others who have experienced loss navigate through their life of grief. Ryan Mannion has dedicated her life to supporting our nation's military, veterans, and families of fallen heroes. She is inspired by the character, leadership, and sacrifice of her brother, First Lieutenant Travis Mannion, USMC, who made the ultimate sacrifice in the Al-Anbar province of Iraq while drawing fire from his wounded comrades on April 29, 2007. Serving as the president of the Travis Mannion Foundation since 2012, Ryan leads a national movement focused on assisting veterans and families of the fallen to take the step in their personal journeys and inspiring the next generation of leaders. She's here today to talk with me about her heartfelt new book, The Knock on the Door, Three Gold Star Families Bonded by Grief and Purpose. Here is Ryan Mannion. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. This really spoke to me when I first heard about you. I was intrigued just because I'm constantly going through my grief journey. I lost my father six years ago, and it's something that I talk about very publicly because it is something that a lot of people don't necessarily want to talk about because they fear that they are then the downer. Yep. I wanted to hear about your story, hear what drove you to write this book, and then tell us a little bit about the book and how it's actually about three different women's perspectives about grief. Absolutely. I lost my brother on April 29, 2007. He was serving in Iraq. He was on his second tour of duty in Iraq. I always say I was very naive to the fact that anything could happen to Mm -hmm. him. Of course, at the time, it was the height of the Iraq war, and I knew that service members were dying, but I kind of put this wall up to think it's not going to be my brother. You know, there's thousands and thousands of men and women over there. It's needle in a haystack type situation. Unfortunately, it was. Mm -hmm. And hearing that news, it was devastating and it really changed the trajectory of my life. And so I wrote the book with my co-authors. Both of them lost their husbands in Afghanistan. Uh, The three of us do work together today through our veteran service organization, the Travis Mannion Foundation. But we wrote this book more for people to understand that we're all going to get that knock at the door. I mean, Mm -hmm. you got that knock with your dad. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't always come in the form of a death. It could be the implosion of a marriage or a career, but we're all going to be faced with these life-altering and changing events. And how do you respond to them? For me, after losing my brother, I went down a path of setting quick goals Mm -hmm. and just trying to stay focused on something. And then I lost my mom. Five years after my brother was killed, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And so I received another knock at the door. Mm -hmm. And the way I dealt with both of those was very different. And, you know, I feel your pain from the loss of a parent. It's something, you know, every day I, I miss my mom. I want my mom here with me. And, you know, it's kind of navigating those waters of how you move forward and be the best version of yourself and not let it define you in a way that takes you into a bad place. Right. So when both of these 
deaths happened, did you immediately start having this like gratitude and hopefulness that you talk so much in the book or did it take you some time to get there? Because I would say most people, it takes them like quite a long time to actually get to a place where they can see any sort of light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Oh, absolutely. I had no gratitude or hope when my brother was killed. Mm -hmm. I was a newly married mother Mm -hmm. with a 10-month-old daughter, and my daughter was the goddaughter of my brother, Travis, and all I could think of was, oh my gosh, he's not going to see her grow up. And on the flip side, all I could think was, my children are never going to know their uncle Travis, this incredible individual. And for the first month, I was crippled. I talk a little bit about it in the book. I was unable to even care for my child. Thank God I had the most supportive husband in the world, but I was incapable of even changing her diaper. I couldn't function. Yeah. I woke up every morning crying and thinking, okay, this is what my life will be now. I will cry every single day. Mm -hmm. And it was actually something my dad said to my husband and I. He kind of pulled us together at one point and he said, listen, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen, but we have to move forward, not for us, but for Travis. Like Mm -hmm. we have to move forward Mm -hmm. and we owe it to him. He was overseas serving and protecting this nation, serving and protecting us. Mm -hmm. Like we owe it to him to continue to live a life that is worthy of that sacrifice. Right, right. I mean, that's a lot of what gets me through when I'm having rough times and just feel like, what is this all for? Like, my dad's not here. You know, what is this all for? And I just say, it's because my dad would want me to be happy. I mean, it's not only because of that. I want to be happy too, but the ultimate respect and honor for your loved one who's passed is leading a happy life and leaving a positive legacy. Yeah. It is important to get there, but for those of you who have just lost someone, you know, expect it to take some time for you to get there. Yeah, I always say that grief is a process. It's Mm -hmm. a journey. And, you know, I— unfortunately have become for my surrounding friends, like the go-to person when right. they lose someone, right. like, okay, well, tell me how to do what this. What would Ryan say? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I always say, like, I thought for a long time that after my brother was killed, that I was going to wake up one day and it would, that pain would be gone. Mm-hmm. I just thought, okay, I just got to battle through until it goes away. And what I've come to realize is it doesn't go away. It never goes away. You learn to live with it and it changes and it manifests. But I'm very quick to tell people like, you're going to grieve for the rest of your life. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. But that shouldn't take away from living right, as well. Right. Then that's definitely something that I also tell myself that someone told me when my dad passed away was that the sadness that you feel, the depth of the sadness and the intensity of the sadness that you feel will always be the same, but it may come and hit you less and less over time. So, you know, in the first month when you're just like crying nonstop every day, maybe the second month, it's like five times a day. And then third month, you know, three, and it slowly progresses where it's not what defines you anymore. It's just something that makes you have a new perspective on life Mm -hmm. in sometimes even a positive way. One of the things that I was reading in your book was how there are so many things that maybe you wouldn't necessarily have done or accomplished had your brother still been here. Mm -hmm. That was so interesting to me because it hit me because sometimes I feel guilty thinking, gosh, like, there are so many things I would never have accomplished if my dad were still here. Like I had a, a business with my father and I ended up having to let that business go. And although that was horrible and sad at the time, like letting that go actually was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I was able to focus on so many other things that I was actually passionate about. And I feel guilty for being grateful for that. And if I had it to do all over again, obviously a million times over, I would want my dad back instead. But because I can't have that, it's like looking at what have you done and become because of that. Well, I feel the same way. Yeah, Yeah. It was interesting because the journey to writing this book actually started about a year and a half ago. 
my two co-authors and I were asked to go on the CBS Morning Show Mm -hmm. to share our story. Mm -hmm. Three women who are working with the veteran community that all lost loved ones. And, you know, we were approached after that piece to write the book through a literary agent. But during the interview, I said something along the lines to to the woman interviewing us. I said, I feel blessed every day to wake up and have the opportunity to do the work I do. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of caught myself, and she was like, blessed. That's an interesting choice of words, Mm -hmm. given what you do is a result of losing Losing your brother. brother, Right. And I was like, well, yeah, it is. And I would give it all away, like you said, in a second. Mm -hmm. But I'm blessed that I do have that opportunity to Mm -hmm. continue his legacy in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, before Travis was killed, I owned clothing boutiques and I graduated from college and I knew exactly what I was going to do. I had taken out small business loans. I was opening men and women's high-end clothing boutiques Mm -hmm. in Jersey and Philadelphia and opened them up and loved it, was successful at it. It was actually on the day Travis was killed. I was, when I got the call that he had been killed, I was signing the lease to another location and I'll never forget, I had just got a new delivery. You know, I went back to work after he was killed. I kept running my businesses. And it was one day I gotten in a delivery of new jeans and I was taking them out of the box. And something that would have brought me so much joy previously, I was so excited about it. I was like, I felt empty. Right. And I'm like- says absolutely nothing. Yeah. I said, I feel nothing in Mm -hmm. this. And Within two months, I had closed all my businesses. And I said, I'm not, I can't do this anymore. It does nothing for me. It's not bringing me joy. It's not bringing me purpose or passion. And I went from there to feeling like, okay, I have to serve in some way. So I ended up going to work for the government. I found out quickly that that's not- That wasn't for you either. (laughs) But in my head, I was like, okay, I'm not going to join the military, but if I work for the government, maybe that's service. Yeah. at that point, after a couple of years of working with the government, our organization had grown exponentially and it was time for me to be able to go there full time. I started working side by side with my mom and it was for the first time where I felt whole again. Wow. And I felt like this is what I was meant to do. Wow. That's really amazing. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsor. I have been a fan of Warby Parker forever. They make such great glasses that are super, super quality and really, really on trend. They create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. Warby Parker was conceived as an alternative to the overpriced and bland eyewear available today. Prescription eyewear should not cost you more than a plane ticket or a new iPhone. So by circumventing traditional channels and engaging with customers directly through their website and retail stores, Warby Parker is able to provide high-quality, good-looking prescription eyewear at a fraction of the price. Their aesthetic is very vintage-inspired with a little contemporary twist, and every pair is custom-fit with an anti-reflective polycarbonate prescription lens. One of the great things about Warby Parker is how they give back. They are really a company with such a great purpose. Almost 1 billion people worldwide lack access to glasses. This means that 15% of the global population cannot effectively learn or work, which is crazy because glasses were invented 700 years ago. We really should be on top of this. Warby Parker partners with nonprofits like Vision Spring to ensure that for every pair of glasses sold, a pair is distributed to someone in need. They really believe that everyone has the right to see. So I did the free home try-on program, which you guys all must try. You order five pairs of glasses and you try them on for free for five days. There is no obligation to buy. It ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Out of the five glasses I got, two of them worked, which is like a really great success. Head to warbyparker.com slash with wit to take the quiz and order your free home try-on. Also, they are introducing something called Scout by Warby Parker. They're comfortable, breathable, and affordable daily contact lenses. They're made from a super moist material that resists drying for lasting hydration and comfort. You can order a trial pack that includes six days worth of contacts for only $5 and then receive $5 off your next Warby Parker order. Learn more at warbyparker.com slash with wit. Again, that's warbyparker.com slash with wit. And now back to our chat. 
As a parent, do you ever wish someone could just whisper some realistic and trustworthy support in your ear and not make you feel awful for not having all the answers? Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm Dr. Eliza Pressman, developmental psychologist, parent educator, clinical professor, and I'm a mom. My goal is to make your parenting journey less overwhelming and a lot more joyful. Please join me every Friday for new episodes of Raising Good Humans. There's a story in the book about your friends and family dedicating themselves to training for the Marine Corps Marathon. And that was within a year of your brother's death, yes. right? Yes. So why was setting and achieving that goal so key to finding peace of mind for you? I mean, I cannot even imagine getting myself up out of bed like that that year. Well— I'll tell you, it was not some. It was not by choice. Mm-hmm. My brother had actually signed up to run the Marine Corps Marathon with my dad. Okay, he called my dad from Iraq and said, "Let's run the Marine Corps Marathon together." And my dad had actually run a few marathons, but at this point, he had like hung up his marathon shoes, at least not running shoes, but yeah. marathon <laughs> shoes. But he said, "You know, when your son calls you from Iraq and says, run the marathon with me, you're going to do it.'" So we were sitting actually at, this was a, literally within a few weeks, we're sitting in my ha- at my parents' house. There's still a lot of people around. And my dad said something along the lines of, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do to move forward, but I know the first thing that, that's going to happen is I'm going to run that marathon for Travis. Mm-hmm. We both signed up. We were going to do it together. I'm going to do it. And I always say it was like a scene from a movie because literally the person next to him was like, I'm running it with you, Tom. And then it like went around the room and it was like 20 people like, we're all in. Oh and I was the last one and I had my head down. You're like, now I, ha- I yeah. guess I have to. I'm staring at the carpet like, I'm not oh. running a marathon. And I looked up and all eyes were on me. I just said, okay, I'm going to run the marathon. Yeah. Not knowing what that meant. Again, just had my first child. Ugh. Hadn't worked out in who knows how long, you know? (laughs) So I went online and I printed off couch to marathon training plan. Oh my God, that's amazing. And the first thing it said is run one mile. Like that was day one, you run a mile. And so I'm like, okay, I can do this. So I went out, I ran a mile and I thought I was going to throw up. I mean, I got done. I'm like, there's no way I can run a marathon. This isn't happening. Yeah. But then I like took a step back and it was actually somebody said it to me you know, you can't eat an elephant with one bite. Right. So like, don't focus on the 26 miles. Focus on that one mile that you had to run. Whoever wants to eat an elephant I don't anyway. Know. I don't know. I think it's like saying. a saying, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, it was that idea of like, okay, this gave me something. And I don't know if you experienced this after you lost your dad, but mm-hmm. like, you have to like throw yourself into something mm-hmm. and focus on something. And so- It was a little bit less for me about running the marathon, but it was something for me to say, this is what I have to do today. Yes. The nice thing about it is, and I think what got me through is Travis's iPod had come back from Iraq in his footlocker, like his big chest. Yeah. And so I got to listen to all the music he was listening to when he was over there. Yeah. And so every morning I woke up excited to put that AirPod or- And feel connected to him. Yeah, and say like, okay, what were you listening to? And hear all these songs. And so each day I just focused on what I had to do that day. Yeah. And I really think from a mental standpoint, just that idea of that focus, but Mm -hmm. also from a physical standpoint, getting out there. And I felt definitely the physical activity helped a lot with my mental perspective as well. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's really good advice. Like you talk so much about this notion of living life with intention, like Mm -hmm. having an intention. And I think that is so important because you don't want people to say like, just be happy, just be positive. Like think on the bright side, like look at the silver lining. You know, those are things that I think can really annoy and upset someone that's grieving. But I think a really good takeaway is it like setting an intention and setting a goal for yourself that gives you a reason to show up for yourself and for other people. And I really love that message in your book. Okay. So I want to get into some quotes from your book that I really loved and that spoke to me and we can just like dive into them a little bit deeper. Okay. Okay. This first one was, I love the quote, failure is a bruise, not a tattoo. 
my favorite. I loved it so much. I'm kind of dealing with that a little bit with my husband at the moment. He is just feeling a little bit down in his career and he feels like, why is nothing going right? And we were having this conversation this morning and then I started reading your book and I saw that and I read it to him and I was like, it literally is just a bruise that will heal. And it's not something that is marked on you. That's my favorite quote, hence why I put it in. Yes. Oh my God. I I love it. And it's actually one of our values at the Travis Manning Foundation. Amazing. And so when I was writing the book, I'm like, I'm taking that value and I'm putting it in here because I think that a larger audience needs to hear that. For sure. It's so important and applies to so many things, but it was actually after my mom passed away. So Travis passed away. And like you said, I set these real intentional goals for myself. Mm -hmm. It was like, very focused things that I was going to do to move forward. And it definitely worked and it's definitely a positive thing, but I I don't think that I spent enough time focusing on me Mm -hmm. and saying like, are you okay? Not just jumping from one thing to the next. Right. Because Um, the more that you shove those feelings down and don't allow yourself to just break down, the worse and worse it gets and then you will actually explode. Yeah. And I did that. So my mom passes away and it was the following Christmas. My mom passed away in April. It was that that Christmas. Mm-hmm. Every year, our family, since my dad was a child, hosts a Christmas party on Christmas Day. And my parents had taken over hosting it. We have over 100 people at our house on Christmas Day. Oh, my God. And so this was the first year my mom was gone. And my husband said to me, I don't think you should do the Christmas party. Like, pass it on to one of your aunts. And I'm like, no way. I'm doing this Christmas party. I'm hosting it. It was a little bit of that push everything aside and just focus on the goal. Mm -hmm. And so Christmas party goes great. Everything is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I lied down in bed that night, and I had a massive panic attack. Oh, my God. Like, I always say, like, I thought if you had asked me before that if I had ever had a panic attack, I would have said, oh, yeah, of course. But- Until I had that one, I was like, no, I never actually had a panic attack. And it was, and I rolled over to my husband. I said, I'm, I'm dying. I'm I'm freaking out. Yeah. And and I talk a little bit about in the book, but he actually said, shut up and go to bed. And for me, looking back, like I needed him to say that because if he would have said, oh my God, you're dying. Like, it would have panicked. Yeah. It would have been a whole thing. But I woke up that next day and I realized like something's not right. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not okay, and I haven't fully dealt with things. But I was so afraid of feeling like I had failed. And I went through a couple months where I dealt with just crippling anxiety. I felt like I couldn't leave my home. I would show up at work, but, you know, my palms would be sweaty, and I'd just try to fake it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't talk to anybody about it. I didn't share my feelings. And it was one day I finally shared with my husband and my dad. And I said, listen, like, I'm struggling here. Mm -hmm. But to say that to them took so much for me because Mm -hmm. people had watched me and kind of said, wow, look at how she is moving through all Mm -hmm. this adversity. How amazing it is. How strong she is. And so for me to say, actually, I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And it was that. I call it a failure, but but it was that moment where I realized, like, you don't always have to be strong. And there are going to be moments where you're not in a good place. Mm-hmm. But what I realized after, you know, I started going to therapy, I began to work through it, and I came out of it. Mm-hmm. And I realized that it, it was just a moment in time. Mm-hmm. And as the quote says, like, failure is a bruise. But, like, the next—and and when you talk about these ebbs and flows in your life— what you have to realize is that these down points are quickly to be followed by the high ones. Right. And if you know that life is just like that, it makes the points and times, the failures, the low points in your life a little bit more palatable, Mm -hmm. you know, where you know, like, hey, listen, I just got to get through this. I've got to grin. I've got to do what I need to do to work myself out because Mm -hmm. there is a silver lining there. Right. No, I think that's so important because sometimes you can get really into a bad rut and you're just like, oh, things are never going to change. I'm never going to be able to accomplish this or everyone just keeps saying no to me and it's easy. And sometimes you like manifest nothing happening because you're just so stuck on it. But if you realize that it's just a phase, you will like even maybe subconsciously get yourself out of it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I did with my baby. Like one of the best pieces of advice someone told me when I first had my kid was 
that everything is a phase oh, and yeah. that as soon, you know, you, you struggle with something like the breastfeeding and then honestly like that it's over and then it beca- it's the next thing, right. you know, it's sleep training and then the next thing is teething and then the next thing, you know, it's like, it's always something. Yeah. But in between those things are beautiful, amazing, wonderful moments and miracles. So, but you're in that yeah. moment. So Amy, my co-author, she yeah. just had her first child, yeah. eight weeks old. And so she's like in it. Yes. And, you know, it was like the first week she's like, oh, the baby's so good. She sleeps all day. I'm like, she just hasn't woken up yet. Just Yeah. <laughs> and then it was like week two. She was like, oh my God, I can't get one thing done. And I'm like, this will all pass. This will all pass. It will all pass. It just and takes a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is. It's yeah. different phases, you yeah, know? Totally. And now word from our sponsor. So I can get kind of stressed out about meal planning, especially because I don't cook. Timmy loves to cook, but I don't really cook. But I do want to like help a little bit, you know, and I want to learn. HelloFresh is actually a really, really great way to like learn how to cook, but also make it a really stress free situation. They cut out stressful meal planning and prepping so you can actually enjoy the cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes or sometimes even 20 minutes depending on which recipe you choose. They have different recipes depending on how much time you have. The average trip to the grocery store actually takes about 41 minutes. So that's over 35 hours a year if you go once a week. I mean, we're all about making the most of our time these days and HelloFresh really has done the thinking for us. HelloFresh can also help you eat more sustainably. I know that's really important for my family. HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients mean there's less prep for you and less food waste. Timmy also just, he can't stand at the end of the week when we're cleaning out our fridge, all the food that we throw out. It's just like a really gross feeling. So the packaging HelloFresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclable and or already recycled content. Their carbon footprint is 25% lower than store-bought grocery-made meals. Besides just dinner, you can also add extra meals or lunches to your weekly order or throw in yummy sides and desserts like garlic bread and cookie dough. Cookie dough is one of Sunny's favorites. I mean, he's obsessed with cookies. You can also easily change your delivery days or food preferences or even skip a week when you're traveling or just feel like doing something yourself. Also, there's something for everyone, including low-calorie, vegetarian, and family-friendly recipes every week. They also have more five-star recipes than any other meal kit, so you know you'll get something delicious. If you guys want to take advantage of this amazing offer, go to HelloFresh.com slash WithWit10 and use code WithWit10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash WithWit10 and use code WithWit10, that's WithWit10, for 10 free meals, including free shipping. And now back to our chat. Okay, the next quote is, yeah, this one was really powerful. You may have to give a little context, but Mm -hmm. remarriage doesn't eliminate the pain of widowhood. Recovery doesn't cancel the pain of illness or addiction. Healing doesn't remove the wounds of abuse. Finding joy in the present means accepting the difficulties of the past, not forgetting them. Yeah. That was Amy, one of my co-authors. So Amy lost her husband three years after my brother. And Amy's husband and my brother were actually best friends. So they were roommates in college together and died three years apart. Um, One in Travis in Iraq and Brendan in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And after Travis was killed, Amy and Brendan were there for our family in a big way. And losing Brendan three years later, it was like... Beyond Yeah, it was how does lightning strike twice. Mm -hmm. You know, it was unbelievable. It's Um, hard to have hope in anything at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Amy went for a long time just trying to find out like, and I can't even imagine, you know, I lost my brother, but she lost her, her life, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. her future. Mm -hmm. And she struggled for a while on what her future was going to be and where she was going to be. And she finally accepted that she could find love again. And that the love was not going to replace the love she had for Brendan. And two years ago, she married an awesome guy. And I love what he said. 
at the wedding. I was her maid of honor and I was standing there and he said, the person that you are today, because you went through what you went through with Brendan, is the woman that I love. Like you not having that experience with Brendan and losing your husband and what you shared together, that's why I love you today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so the fact that he's accepted her past as a way to her future. It's so beautiful. It and is so beautiful. Yeah, it was, my son is actually named Travis Brendan. Aww. And Amy's brother-in-law, Brendan's brother, had a son the same age as mine, and his name is Brendan Travis. <sighs> and so okay. Travis Brendan and Brendan Travis were the ring bearers at Aww. Amy's wedding to her new husband, Joel. And they came up and they were, you know, three years old and they were wearing their their chucks and little tuxes, and they came up the aisle, and there was Joel standing at the end of the aisle with his hands out and giving them high fives. And I'm, and I just thought, what a beautiful story to see. Mm-hmm. What a big part Brendan is of what's happening today, but also what an incredible individual Joel is mm-hmm. that he has accepted this whole story into his life too. It is so true. Yeah. I mean, our partners deserve so much for how much they have put up with us. I mean, my husband moved to Los Angeles and then literally, I think two weeks after he moved here, because we were dating, we were dating long distance for six months. My dad got diagnosed with cancer and then my dad was six for a year and then he passed away. And I always thank God, like you really fell in love with this person pre my dad dying, Mm -hmm. you know, this happy go lucky, really positive, confident woman. And I mean, the next couple of years were so hard on us because I was kind of a different person than who he fell in love with and who he moved to Los Angeles for. Yeah. But he loved really so much the core of me that he was able to obviously stick through it and <laughs> stick by my side. Um, but I love this quote so much just because it's not about just changing things and moving on and like replacing something. Right. And I always tell that to my mom too, because I so desperately want her to meet someone. Like she may never love someone the same way that she loved my dad. She won't. Like yeah. their their love was, you know, right. not, no one could have a love like that. But it doesn't mean that a different kind of love can't still be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The next quote. So this was also in reference to, I think, your friend losing her husband. It says, anyone's dreams can be ripped away in an instant. And believe me, it hurts like hell. I'm not going to pretend it doesn't, but dream away. The joyful anticipation those dreams bring you will far outweigh the pain their absence leaves behind. After all, anticipation is half the fun. And I think this is such a motivating, amazing quote for when you're feeling so down and you can't get out of that rut. It's like, plan something, like think about who you really want to be, or even if if it's that broad, like think about what you really want to eat for dinner, you know, or think about like the color on your nails, like that you really want to paint them this week, or you know what I'm saying? Like even those small wins, like do little things for yourself or make little plans for yourself and don't think about it so like long-term, so big, so high stakes, yeah. you know? So this was Heather. So, you know, I wrote it again with two widows. Right. So Amy lost Brendan in 2010 in Afghanistan. And then Heather lost her husband, Robert, just a couple months after Brendan was killed oh. in Afghanistan as well. Okay. And they're in two very different places. Amy is newly remarried mm-hmm. with her first child. And Heather hasn't gotten to that place yet. But it's not to say that she doesn't find joy in in what she's doing. They're just in, you know, and that's why I love the different stories that the book mm-hmm, shares because mm-hmm. it's not just one woman's journey. Right. And it shows like, hey, these there's three of us and we all did things actually very differently mm-hmm. and there's no right or wrong way to do it. Heather did want me to tell you because I told her I was coming out here that she was an intern at Teen Vogue. No way. When she, she said it was right it was either right before or right after you left. But she said, oh make God. sure you tell Whitney that I interned at Team Vogue. She That's was amazing. Yeah. Oh so God, um, what a small world. Yeah. So um, but Heather talked about after losing Robert, she kind of same with me. She couldn't get out of bed. And so her mom, she lives in Carlsbad. Okay. And she would wake up every day and they would set one thing to do. So mm-hmm. it would be like, today we have to go to the social security office. 
Mm-hmm. And so they would do that. And today we need to go to the bank. Today we need to go to the Verizon store and mm-hmm. update the phone plan. And she said a lot of times it was me waking up, taking a shower, going and doing that errand, and then coming back and Getting falling into asleep. Bed yeah. All day. yeah. And she said, and then it started to be like, okay, now I'm going to have lunch with a friend. Mm -hmm. And so she said, finally, I started to look forward to those Mm -hmm. things. And I realized like, it's okay to anticipate and be excited about things after a loss. Another thing I love that she talks about is that she used humor to kind of get her Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. after- That was one of the things I was gonna- Yeah. Yeah. So she she focused a lot on like- on humor. Mm-hmm. And she tells mm-hmm. this great story. You know, the military is very regimented. There's a lot of protocol involved. And there's a lot of, you know, set ways that you have to do things, uh, even as it pertains to a funeral. Mm-hmm. She shares the story about how she was in the funeral home and she's sitting next to her brother-in-law, Robert's brother, who's also a Marine. Mm-hmm. And the funeral director gives her this leather-bound book with a big red, white, and blue eagle on it, you know, this the guest book and said, mm-hmm. well, clearly you must use this book because it's so patriotic. And she's thinking in her head, like, this is so stupid. Like, yeah. Robert could care less if he had a book with a red, white, and blue eagle on it. Like, right. I don't care what people write their names in. And so Rob's brother kind of anticipating that, you know, seeing that she was getting down, he said, you know what, Heather, you know what Rob would also want? he would love it if you rode into Arlington National Cemetery on an elephant. Yeah. <laughs> and and Heather said, like, turned to him and said, you know, I think he would. And yeah, I think I'd like to do that. Well, there's a bunch of Marines around, Keiko officers. They're called casualty assistance officers. That okay. are, and they, like, overhear this conversation. And she finds out later that they had went so far to, like, call the Washington Zoo. To, to see get an it, elephant yeah. for her. And she was like, no, guys, like we were kidding. Yeah. But they were like, okay, well, we must honor this widow. She wants to ride an elephant. Right, Let's, right. And so they had come to her and they're like, listen, we can't get you an elephant, but the Washington Zoo has said you can come to the zoo and they will let you pet the elephants oh, there. Oh, thank you. And she's like, I don't care about the elephants. But she said, like, it was like in these moments of here I am, 26 years old, and I'm talking about the guest book that you're going to sign for my husband's funeral, like, you have to bring some levity that moment right. and say, like, hey, we're still who we are, and there has to be some kind of release there. Oh, 100%. The yeah. quote, because I I wrote down this quote about that, was that, allow yourself to find humor in even the darkest and ugliest of situations. It's a powerful lifeline when your regular coping resources like patience and gratitude are depleted. Also, laughing is far more fun than crying. Yeah. Yeah, so sweet. I think this was, this is getting towards the end when, you know, you talk about trying to think about memories of them, Mm -hmm. like really trying to hold on to those memories. And even if, as it gets harder and harder to remember those things, you say that reminders of our difficulties and sadness are everywhere. We don't usually have to look too hard to find them, but the fact is reminders of happier times are everywhere too. And we can feel reassured by them and take pleasure in the little gifts of joy they bring to us when we need them the most. Sometimes, however, we have to be much more intentional about seeking out these little signs. Yeah, And that really was so important to me. I mean, I the day that I got married, I was... It was really hard for me. I was torn in a million different directions because it was supposed to be the happiest day of my life, but my dad wasn't there to see it. And then in the sky, right before I was about to walk down the aisle, there was in the sky made out of clouds, like it said, I heart and then you, but it wasn't like there wasn't a skywriter in sight. Like I'll show you the picture. Yeah. It was like the cloud. My dad miraculously just drew that out of clouds. Yeah. So whenever I think of my wedding day now, and I think about my dad, instead of thinking about how sad it was, I, I think, think about, about that. that sign and that he was actually really there. And yeah. I believe that totally. So I, just, I yeah, I, I totally believe in the signs. We all do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always say it's it's interesting because I have a friend who lost her husband in a bicycle accident. He was mm-hmm. doing a charity bike ride oh and um, in Washington, D.C. and was hit by a car. Oh, my God. And it was 
tragic. And it was after Travis. And again, I drove and I was right there with her. And I was like, okay, I'm going to help you through this. And and she said people were like not saying stuff to her in the, in the aftermath. They weren't kind of reaching out to her and they didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And she finally like put this message out. Like, listen, you guys reminding me that Jake died, like I never forget it. Right. So it's like, don't think that you not bringing up Jake is going to make me forget that my husband died, oh, you know? A hundred percent. And, um, but we always talk about these signs. So when I ran the marathon, I'll flash back to when I was in high school, Travis and I were at a party. We were running from the cops actually. <laughs> and I fell and I fell as we were running. It, you know, there was like a hundred kids running from the cops and we live in like outside of Philadelphia. There was cornfields. We're running through cornfields. And I cut my leg really bad. But of course, I didn't go to the hospital because I couldn't have my parents find out I was running from the cops. cops. Yeah. (laughs) So I have like a nasty scar on the front of my shin. And it's always bothered me. And I've gone back and forth like, I should really get that taken care of. But I was running that marathon and I got to mile 19 and I had a mental breakdown. I was like, I'm done. I can't do this. And you start playing this game in your head where I'm like, I just ran 19 miles. Travis would be so proud. I don't really have to finish. Need to do the rest of it. Yeah. And I looked, I just happened to look down and I looked down and I saw that scar on my leg. Oh my God. And it was like, Travis made me look at that scar. Mm -hmm. And it was this, keep going. Mm -hmm. And so I did, I finished it. But we talk about these little signs all the time. And Heather shares one where she walked into a, a like a thrift shop and she was looking around and there was this really cute like tumbler set. And the one cup said like yours, the other cup said mine. And then the little picture said ours. And she said, she saw it and she said, you know, if had before Rob, she would have totally bought that because yeah. it was just so cute and kitschy. And she said, but you know, seeing it there totally depressed her. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh my God, like, I don't, I don't have a yours and mine mm-hmm. and an ours. Mm-hmm. And she said at that moment where she said, I literally started to cry. And then our wedding song came on. Oh like, my God. On the, it was like Jack. Jo- body chills. Yeah. Jack Johnson comes on in a thrift shop. <laughs> like and the she, 99 yeah, song. Yeah. And she was like, <laughs> okay, this is random. And that was Rob saying like, like, you're I'm, okay. Yeah. I'm here. I'm here. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm here in some capacity. Yeah. And now a word from our brand partner. So stress heavily affects my skin. I'm pretty sure it affects yours as well. It can cause dryness, signs of aging, and redness. When I feel stressed out or I'm overtired, the first place I see it is my skin. The good news is Sephora's got your solves. You can keep your skin concerns in check with Sephora's skin-saving lineup. Their stress free skin plan for you in 2020 is this. Okay. First is their Drunk Elephant F-Bomb Electrolyte Water Facial. This is really great if your main concern is dryness. It's an electrolyte-packed overnight mask that rehydrates and visibly plumps parched skin. Next is the Tatcha Serum Stick. I love, love, love Tatcha. This is also good if your main concern is dryness. It visibly pumps fine lines with targeted hydration. It's a weightless balm, revitalizes skin, and just makes it look even and glowy and just plumpy. I think I just made up that word plumpy. But anyways, it's plumpy. The next product is also for dryness, and this is the Dr. Barbara Sturm Glow Drops. Dr. Barbara Sturm makes amazing products. These glow drops are a hydrating serum that fights dullness and gives you a glow. It refines the look of pores and contains purslane and hyaluronic acid, which anyone will tell you is perfect and like the thing that you need for dryness. Okay, next for signs of aging. For all you people that are starting to see a little bit of change in your skin, the Fresh Lotus Youth Preserve Moisturizer is a great, great product for you. It's an antioxidant-packed moisturizer that targets signs of aging. It boosts radiance, and it's extracted from the lotus plant. 
really, really, really nice product. Then is the Dr. Dennis Gross Stress Rescue Super Serum. This is also for signs of aging, and it's a radiance-boosting serum with superfoods and niacinamide, which fights visible signs of aging and supports collagen levels. If you guys don't already know this, as we get older, we lose a lot of collagen, and collagen is responsible for like keeping our skin looking fresh and young and plump. So this product is really, really good for supporting those collagen levels. And last but not least is a product for redness, the Laneige Sika Repair Sleeping Mask. This is an amazing product. It's an overnight mask to calm redness. It's hypoallergenic, so if you have sensitive skin, this is for you. And it soothes irritated skin overnight. I will be giving this to my husband because he is constantly asking me for a product that will soothe his red skin. Sorry, Timmy. Anyways, head to a Sephora store or visit sephora.com to shop skincare. Get the skin-saving lineup only at Sephora online and in-store now. And now back to our conversation. I want to talk a little bit about you now, you know, how you deal with your grief a little bit now. I think sometimes I find that people forget a little bit, you know, like even our husbands, our best friends, because it didn't necessarily happen to them. Mm -hmm. They're not always on it about the reminders or the anniversaries or even just as simple as knowing that the holidays are a hard time and giving you a little bit of slack for some extra emotion how do you how do you deal with it like having three kids like what are some of the things that you do to take care of yourself now when those feelings of emotion come up but you still have so many other responsibilities yeah you know i think i'm all about the self care yeah. and really like paying attention to your needs yeah so you can be the best mom and wife for your family. Mm -hmm. I've come to a place where I'm, you know, now again, I'm trying to make sure that my kids know their grandmother and their uncle. And so for me, like the holidays are, I'm always quick to say like, oh, this was Nanny's recipe. Mm -hmm. And oh, your uncle Travis loved doing this. Mm -hmm. And so like, I want those things to be things that they take away from that, from the holidays. And I mean, at all times of the year, but especially during the holidays. And I try to, you know, replicate things that my mom did. Keep the tradition. Yeah. Keep those. I mean, I still have the hundred, I'm having a hundred people at my house this year for Christmas, you know, but I think, you know, I do think it's so important around the holidays because I live in a world where this is what I do. I talk about this. I, I give large talks to corporations about this kind of stuff. And so I've become a little bit desensitized to things, yeah. but that doesn't mean that I don't have moments where mm-hmm. I go home and I something just makes me break. Yeah. And, you know, and like you say, you know, sometimes your husband can be like, but you're so strong. You'll speak in front of 5,000 people, but that makes you cry. And right. I'm like, yeah, that <laughs> makes me cry. That's what put me over the edge today. Right. Um, and I think it's about being patient. And, and I always say like, the holidays are about reaching out to those we love. Uh So be very intentional about saying, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're not bringing up something that is going to put them into a bad place. No, because like you said, they're always thinking about it anyways. And a lot of times- It's a relief when someone asks you about it because then it gives you the time and space to actually talk about it and not just hold it inside. Yeah. So, you know- I make sure that I'm reaching out to people that Mm -hmm. I know may be struggling and Mm -hmm. those that I maybe don't know are struggling, but I know that at times they've gone through something difficult. Mm -hmm. How's everything going? How's everything going? Yeah. As simple as that. Yeah. It really will put a smile on someone's face. Like, even if you don't want to answer, because sometimes I will get those kinds of texts. I'm like, oh, I'm not really in the mental space to like get into it right now. Yeah. It's still just knowing that that person thought about you for that second really can mean so much. Oh yeah, for sure. So the Travis Mannion Foundation, the organization you run is all about community. Talk about the foundation, what you do on a daily basis, what your mission is, what people can come to to find if they need, you know, this kind of help. My mom actually started the foundation after Travis was killed. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to provide support to veterans, the military community, and families of fallen service members. But like you said, in a larger role, she wanted to help 
bridge that divide too, because, you know, there's 1% of our population that serves in the military. Mm -hmm. It's not commonplace for, you know, I'm trying not to use acronyms that that you're not going to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm being very intentional about that. But you know, it's a, it's a small community, but it's the 1% of the men and women who defend our freedoms every day. Right. And so how could we make sure that we were playing a role in bringing the civilian population together mm-hmm. with our military community? And so that's what we do. We execute engagement opportunities all across the country. Our biggest initiative is actually called Character Does Matter. And we take veterans and we train them to deliver character education to youth. So we have thousands of veterans across the country that have delivered character and leadership courses to over 300,000 kids across the country. And it's not teaching kids about joining the military. It's teaching kids how to be servant leaders in their own backyards. Mm -hmm. And it's so important for us as a country to know that we all have an obligation to be of service Mm -hmm. to the larger population Mm -hmm. in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And, you know— I have found that the greatest way to channel the loss of my brother and my mom is in service to others Mm -hmm. and to give back. And that is, honestly, that's all about what we do Mm -hmm. at the Travis Manning Foundation. We are nationally based. We've got eight offices across the country. And we've got over 60 employees. And no matter where you are in this country, you can be a part of what we're doing. There's engagement opportunities all over. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy to have met you. I'm so grateful that you came in and were so vulnerable and shared your story. And I think everybody should go check out your book. Yes. Where is it sold? Where can we find it? It's sold everywhere books are sold. Okay. Um, Amazon, Barnes Noble, yeah. independent bookstores. It was funny because I didn't know if you had a copy yes. yet. And so I there was the book soup. Which oh, is and you great, went and got it. Well, I went down there and I said, Can, do you have a copy of The Knock at the Door? Because I'm like, I'm going to pick it up to make sure you have it. I couldn't get a hold of my team to yeah. see if you had had it. Yeah. And they said, oh, you know what? We're sold out. We have more copies on order. I'm like, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. I was like, good to know. And, and I have it. So yes. win-win. There you go. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney E. Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets.